Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, we have a very special treat today as I get to interview our first homeschooling dad on the show. I got to talk to Chris Tilley, who lives with his wife and three kids in Canada, where he is the house husband and the main homeschooling parent in their homeschool. It was a fun conversation. It was a really interesting look at homeschooling from the dad's point of view. I think you're going to enjoy it. Tilly is a father of three who in 2009 unexpectedly became a stay-at-home dad. A few years later, he started homeschooling his children. Today, he shares about homeschooling humor and helpful tips at his blog, Tales of a House Husband. He joins us on this episode of the podcast to chat about homeschooling from a dad's perspective. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, let's start off with you telling me a little bit about your family. Well, my wife's name is Danielle. She works as a computer programmer. Normally, she works 40-hour a week. Right now, they have deadlines, so she's been working 60, 70-hour weeks. She does have some freedom, so in less busy times, uh, she sometimes takes a day off during the week to come and uh, do some things with the kids because, frankly, if she had the opportunity, she would be the one homeschooling. Okay, and tell us a little bit about the ages of your kids. My oldest is Philip. He is 14 and in grade 9. My middle is my daughter, and she is 12 and in grade 7. And then Ian is my youngest, and he is in grade 3 and 7 years old. Okay. Well, I know you've probably got an interesting story to tell us. So how did you get started? How did your family get started homeschooling? And then how did you, the dad, end up being the the main homeschooler? Well, basically. We have a friend at church uh, that homeschools, and uh, my oldest was having trouble at school. He was having problems with bullies, and he was also not being challenged. And basically, he was in trouble, and I didn't feel the school was doing what was needed. I ended up talking to the friend of ours who homeschools, and she ended up convincing me to homeschool. And then, like uh, a lot of you, I actually had to convince my wife to let me homeschool. <laughs> so I did the, let's try it for one year and uh, see how it goes. And that first year went very well. At that, for that first year, I just had my oldest home. My middle was uh, still in the public system. Towards the end of that, that year, it was going so well, I gave my daughter the choice. So I called her in sick to the school and uh, brought her home and did a day of homeschooling with her. And uh, she made the choice to be homeschooled, and I pulled her at the end of the year. With my youngest, basically, he didn't get a choice. Um, <laughs> but with the older two, I, was, I gave them a lot of freedom. They had a lot of independence. With my youngest, I needed to do things like teach him how to read. You can't just hand him a book and tell him, learn how to read. Right. Um, so I knew I had to be a lot more hands-on. So I basically started doing kindergarten with him during his last year of preschool just to make sure that I could do it. But it meant that when 
we have a, a teacher that oversees us. And so when that teacher who oversees us took a look at him, she went, oh, he's not kindergarten, he's grade one. And I lost my head start. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically worked yourself out of that head start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, he should be age wise. He should be in grade two. He's in grade three. So. OK, so you really you became a house husband and then you started homeschooling after that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the house husband bit was uh, a bit we we both ended up unemployed at the same time. and. Uh, various things in the economy. We both worked as computer programmers. So we were both looking for work, but we were both applying to the same places. So my wife got a job before I did. And when we crunched the budget, we realized that my old salary was only, when you took into account childcare, we were only netting about $800 a month. So it was like, okay, well, if I can save $800 a month, I can stay home. <laughs> so we did that at first. I did I did a bit of uh, saving money with, uh, we'd been using a lot of prepackaged foods and stuff like that. So I moved us towards more home cooked foods and uh, uh, did some contract work to make ends meet. And then my wife got a much better job and that removed the $800 restriction there. So I stopped doing the contract work and the food budget got a little bigger. And then I started homeschooling and that kind of ate up everything else. So, Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I love that, though, because so often you hear, oh, we can't homeschool because we have to have two incomes. But often, you know, I find that second income a lot of times really isn't nearly as much as everybody thinks it is after they take into account all the expenses that come with childcare and working and commuting to a job and things like that. And, you know, if you really get down and crunch the numbers, a lot of times you can do that if, you know, if that's what you're really wanting to do. So it's nice to hear, you know, about you saying, wait a second, we can make this happen. Yeah, the other thing we did is uh, we we were living in a much larger house with a view, and we sold that and uh, moved into a, a smaller house, an older house in town. So that saved us some money, uh, and we went from a two-car family down to a one-car family. So we've been on a – my wife started this journey. I started the homeschooling journey. She started the debt freedom journey. We're both on Baby Center, but in different groups. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we cut some costs there as well. So Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the debt-free journey, that's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun one. Yep. It's a We're fun getting one. there. <laughs> as as I'm sitting here with my uh, grocery coupon sitting over here next to me, not my favorite thing in the world to do, but you know, it does make a difference. It does add up. So yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the kind of the ins and outs of your homeschooling. And let me start with my favorite question. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? The thing was for us is uh, we don't do a lot of literary classics. I've always let the kids read whatever they want. There's no restrictions. If they're capable of reading it, they can read it. My daughter started reading Game of Thrones, so and that's pretty explicit. But my rule has always been they can read whatever they want. So I asked the kids what they thought our family most resembled. So my youngest, who's Ian, said the Dear Canada books, because we are here in Canada. Dear Canada books are basically the same as Dear America books, just from a Canadian point of view. My daughter said Guardians, 
And that's the books about cats. And that's because my family quite often acts like they are cats. It's kind of weird. I have found my daughter tucked away into the tiniest little cubby holes with a book. And quite often I find her by following the electrical cord to the light that she's dragged into whatever cubby hole she's in. <laughs> and my oldest said X-Men, and he was thinking of the comic books, because that's also a school and they're a little bit crazy. Yeah, most definitely. But uh, an interesting school, very much so. <laughs> so awesome. Well, who is your homeschool hero? I'm not sure. I think if I had to say anybody, it would be the person who talked me into it. And she, she's now um, one of the teachers that oversees us. So it makes it quite easy to do our portfolios because when she comes over, I mean, we just invite her over for dinner and she sits down and talks to my kids and it's somebody they know and they know her from church and everything else. So it's all, all quite relaxed and easy. So, and she's always very supportive and has all the answers to all the questions that I might have. So even my really weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, while I've got you on here, tell me a little bit about homeschooling in Canada. What is it like as far as your requirements and your, you know, what you have to do as far as the government's concerned and things of that nature? Well, first of all, like in the States, it varies. In the States, it varies from state to state. Here in Canada, it varies from province to province. I'm in probably one of the best provinces for homeschooling. We homeschool through a distance learning provider. There's basically two ways to homeschool here. One is you can basically sign a piece of paper that says, I forgive the government. I am basically tells the government to get out of my life. And that means you can go and do whatever you want. Um, the other way is you can homeschool with learning outcomes. So the provincial learning outcomes, which are sort of like Common Core, but without the controversy. Um, and so I have to meet those learning outcomes, which are fairly simple. And by doing that and by registering through a distance learning provider, I get funding to homeschool my kids. So I can go and buy material at one of our local homeschooling stores and just hand a PO number over to them and the school gets billed and then eventually the government gets billed. So it requires a little bit of paperwork. For example, every year I end up paying $10 because they depreciate the material I've used over three years. So at the end of the three years, you have to buy all the books you had, but you pay 10 bucks for them. So oh. Either that or you return them all. But no one actually does that because it's just far easier just to pay <laughs> $10. Most definitely, yeah, than having to keep up with those books for sure. So what would an average day look like in your home? You were talking about distance learning, but you also mentioned being very kind of hands-off and relaxed about everything. So what does it typically look like? Yeah, the distance learning is more of a, a buffer between me and the government. I only actually, I see the, the teacher that's responsible for basically reporting on me to the government. I see her three times a year. Well, more than that, because we go to the same church, but uh, it's the same woman. So basically, I can do whatever I want as long as I meet those learning outcomes. They don't care how those learning outcomes get into my kids. If I could get them into my kids by having my kids balance the books on their heads, they'd be perfectly happy with that. So basically, our day starts about 830 and generally, for the most part, I, the kids know what they need to do for each, each term. We, we 
at the beginning of each term, we sit down with the kids. They know because everything's on the website, so they know the learning outcomes. They know what they need to provide for the portfolios. I need to provide three work samples for each major course, so English, math, science, social studies, and one for other things. So they know what they need to do, and we come up with a plan of what they need to do, and then they work towards that. Towards the end, next weekend, I my portfolios are due. So right now, everybody's trying to catch up the things that they haven't quite finished yet. So yesterday, my daughter did nothing but math all day. Mm. She did a total of, I think, six math lessons. <laughs> but she's caught up. I don't have a problem with that. As long as at the end of the term, those goals are met, I'm happy. As far as the teacher oversees us, she's happy. And if she's happy, the government's happy. Everything continues on the way it should. So for the most part, the older two do things themselves. Um, they can come and ask me questions, and they quite often do. Um, I'll sit down with them and help them through some of the math and through some of the science or whatever else they want. My youngest, I spend probably about two hours a day helping, and then he spends most of the rest of his day doing Reading Express or other online learning activities and watching Bill Nye the Science Guy or other educational videos. I find that two hours for him is more than enough to get through what we need for the term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think your kids would say is the best part about being homeschooled by dad? I actually asked them this one. My oldest told me that he can research anything he wants as long as it's at least somewhat educational. He's my ADD child, and sending him onto the web on a topic is like sending him down the rabbit hole. I never know where he's going to come up. And he he's doing a timeline for social studies. And he was telling me all of these really weird dates, like the longest war in history, the shortest war in history. And I was like, okay, this one lasted like, I think he said it was like 18 hours or something like that. <laughs> but it's just all these really weird facts. But he just continued diving down into that timeline until he found all these things. He's going to make a great Jeopardy contestant one day. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> uh, what about the worst part? What do you think they would say is the worst part about being homeschooled? I asked that question, too. I'm realizing I didn't talk about the other ones. None of them could actually come up with a worst part. They kept, my daughter briefly thought about it. We have professional development days within the public system that I don't generally give my kids, but I do tend to take random days off anyways. So if I need a day off, basically for whatever, for example, we went and saw uh, the new Star Wars on opening day. There's a theater here that has a matinee performance that is almost empty because, of course, it's one o'clock on a Friday during the school day, so there's not a lot of people around. So I took my kids to that. I just call it a professional development day. <laughs> So. That, but that's back to the best part of being homeschooled is the fact <laughs> that, that, that you... Fact that, yeah, well, the thing is, she, she thought about it, and then she went, no, that's really... <laughs> None of them came up with a bad thing. Now, I mean, they may just not want to have told me, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I would think it would be the, the portfolios as they, as they come close to the portfolio times. That, there's always a little bit of stress there, so... But that's the price we pay to do what we do, so... <laughs> Yeah, and to get to go see Star Wars in an empty theater on a Friday. So, yeah. 
Very much so. Oh, and my, my daughter's favorite or best thing about homeschooling is hot lunches because she makes her own lunches. All They all make their own lunches. So <laughs> it's hot lunch every day. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the changes. When you first became a stay-at-home dad, what do you think surprised you the most about going from kind of the work-a-day world to now I'm here at home? It wasn't when I lost my job. The work environment had become very stressful because the economy and we knew that there were cuts coming. So it was actually a relief to be home. I mean, we had the financial problems because we were both unemployed, but it was a relief. And as so the first bit was mostly just getting by and playing out resumes and all that. When we actually made the decision for me to be a stay-at-home parent that I took it as being my new job. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time doing the cooking and the cleaning and getting everything organized. And at that point, Ian was six months old. So I had a really young one to look after. And uh, I remember the first day I was uh, home alone with him. My wife had, uh, with the earlier ones, we'd followed the, the very careful food plans as introducing foods in a certain order. For Ian, who was the last one, she was still trying to follow it, but my eldest had introduced certain foods like corn pops <laughs> out of order. <laughs> so <laughs> when she left for the day, I asked her, what shouldn't I feed them? And the answer was no chocolate, no nuts. So I went, oh, Rice Krispie Squares. So I made Rice Krispie Squares. And so I gave him this big Rice Krispie Square, which he mashed into his face. And I mean, he looked so cute. So I took a picture of it and posted it on Facebook. <laughs> and my wife came back and commented, this is what happens when I leave being <laughs> home alone. Okay, wait a second. Just to clarify, he was six months old at the time? Six months old, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he survived. So <laughs> Yeah, he survived. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I bet he loved it, though. So, you know, mar- oh, yeah. <laughs> marshmallow, sugar, Rice Krispies, it's all good. Oh, yep. <laughs> that's funny. Well, you know, most homeschooling books and groups and, you know, even like the blogs online and things like that, they're really geared towards stay-at-home moms. So has it been difficult? And groups within your town, you know, I just think about homeschooling groups here in my town. Has it been difficult for you to find community? Not too much. I am sort of active online. I was more active earlier in this process when I did have a whole bunch of questions. I still get the Baby Center Digest and read through it, and I occasionally come online, particularly if it's a question that's pertinent to a stay-at-home dad. There's one other on Baby Center as well that homeschools, so occasionally we get questions that would fit us. So for the local community, First, there's a small problem in the fact that my name happens to be Chris. So people talking to me online don't always clue in that I'm male. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I show up somewhere and suddenly there's this large man standing outside their door and they're going, "Uh, who are you? (laughs) The first person who oversaw us, we've had two uh, teachers who oversaw us. The first one had communicated with me for about six weeks online and had finally she'd been out of town she came came back into town 
came over to visit me and just introduce herself and meet the kids and all this sort of stuff. She arrived a couple minutes early. I was running late. So I heard my son open the door. I was still getting dressed from the shower. So I finished and rushed out, failed to introduce myself. And she spent 15 minutes making small talk with me. And she kept asking about my wife. Wasn't quite cluing in. <laughs> so I was a little bit flustered myself. And eventually she clued in and went, oh, you're Chris. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm Chris. My wife is not home. <laughs> so I bet it does sometimes take people by surprise, you know, because the assumption is typically that it's the mom who's doing the homeschooling. Yeah. My favorite was going to, we do have a, a local homeschool group that's uh, on Meetup. Uh, so we do go get together and go do activities and I showed up to one early on in this process, and one of the moms walked up to me and went, it's so nice that you took the day off to give your wife a break. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be great if that would go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does. I, I, do, I do get some days off. So it was just, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I debated whether to correct her, and I decided it was probably best if I was honest in the situation. <laughs> so. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what kind of unique qualities or even benefits can a father bring to the table when it comes to being the main homeschooler? What kind of advantage I'm, do you think you have? I, I'm not sure that I actually have any. I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly firm believer that there are plenty of women out there that have the same skill set that I do, that we all have different skill sets. I mean, I know how to cook. My wife knows how to use power tools better than I did when I entered into this marriage. So <laughs> it's we're all different and we all have our own skills. So I don't think it's specific to me, um, to me being a dad, just what skills do I have that, that work? I love uh, computers. I do a lot of uh, computer stuff. I do a lot of electronics with the kids, do a lot of cooking with the kids. So science and math and that sort of thing. I don't particularly enjoy English. I've learned more about nouns and pronouns and adjectives trying to get my youngest through his uh, English studies. So, Well, do you have any advice for other homeschooling dads? You know, dads who possibly aren't able to stay home and be the full-time homeschooler and do the day-to-day -day things, but they would like to take a more active role in their kids' education. What would you say to them? I would say the same thing that my wife does is, uh, I mean, do whatever you're good at. Show them what you're enthusiastic about. Take them on field trips. Uh, take them to places that you know about. I mean, take things apart with them. One of my favorite Friday afternoon activities is I, I go to a thrift store and buy some random thing and hand the kids a screwdriver and see how many pieces they take it into. Always interesting to see what's inside there. It's whatever your strengths are. Show what you, it makes you enthusiastic, what, yeah. what you love to learn about, what you know about. Yeah, very much. I love that because, and that's, you know, that's for mom, for dad, for grandma, for anybody. The more you can connect your kids with people who are absolutely enthusiastic about something and can share their own love and enthusiasm for a particular topic, I think the better. Okay. Are you ready for the fast five? Okay. Fast five. <laughs> okay, it's not hard, I promise. What is one thing in your Amazon cart at the moment? 
Actually, nothing because I we do shop on Amazon sometimes, but the selection isn't as good as it is in the United States. So, and a lot of the stuff I buy for homeschooling, I buy locally because the local store takes my PO number and Amazon doesn't. Oh, so I'm, there's. <laughs> I'm sorry about that lack of selection, but hey, you get to use that PO number, so that's good. Your favorite family read aloud? We actually don't do family read alouds. And I mean, my, my son reads aloud to me, but I, I don't, I've never gotten into doing that. I've always wondered what it would be like. So I might try it. Every time I read about it, I kind of go, I should probably give that a try, but then I never do. So I recommend it. It's kind of a shared family culture thing. Everybody reading the same book together. So I would recommend that one. Best field trip ever. We went down about four hours drive from here to a place called Fort Langley, which is um, a national historic park here in Canada. So it was, it's a fort that uh, was part of the Hudson Bay Company, so fur trade era. So that was very interesting. That was a whole day and camping as well. So that, for me personally, that was the best field trip. Well, it sounds like fun. What are you reading right now? I just started a new book. I just finished reading something called the Parasol Protectorate series by Gail Carriger. And I just started a book called Disenchanted and Company by Lynn Vial. Okay. And then one last one, I've got to have blank to get me through the day. My noise canceling headphones. Oh, yeah. Those are good. (laughs) I have a pair of those, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? I can be found online at talesofahousehusband.com. I'm Baby Center, although I'm not there very often, HH Tales. And that's basically about it. I have a couple other social media accounts, but they're not really linked to my blog. Okay. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the books or resources that Chris and I spoke about on today's show, you can find them at the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com forward slash HSP 44. And we'll have everything linked up for you there. Also on the show notes are instructions for how to leave a rating or review for the Homeschool Snapshots podcast on iTunes. The ratings and reviews that you leave allow us to get the word out about the podcast to new listeners, and we appreciate you taking the time to do that. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great homeschooling interview. Until then, keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.